Hey everybody, welcome back. This is episode 150 of the Guardian Project Podcast, and I'm your host, Andy, and it is road construction season here again in Michigan, and it feels like everywhere I go, there's an endless detour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, though, it's pretty rough right now. And 1,200 potholes everywhere. Yeah, and- right outside of my neighborhood, they're like the... So we have Michigan turnarounds for those of you not from Michigan. We can't turn left at most of our streets, it feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, so you have to go straight and then turn around and then turn right. Or you turn right and turn around to go left. It's just, it's really annoying. And they they just put, they shut down the one right by my house, which is on the expressway. Mm-hmm. So I have to, it, it's, you're waiting through like 12 lights now. Ugh, it's pretty obnoxious. That's terrible. <laughs> And I'm your other host, Mike, and I'm very happy to see that Rocco, Cabaretti Caterer, may actually see some play in some 60-card constructed formats. I cannot wait to see how Rocco's modern life turns out. I That was a very good show. It was. I, I really agree. did like Rocco's modern life. Oh, yeah. That little wallaby. <laughs> Please listen carefully. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic Gathering. But mostly Commander. Uh, So there was a pre-release this weekend of a a set, I don't know, that people are talking about. uh, Streets of New Capenna, I think it is. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Um, And yeah, there was a pre-release. I did not get an opportunity to go to the pre-release. But Andy, I know you did, right? I did. I got to go to the pre-release. So I got to go on Sunday. Um, I, you know, I, I was thinking about pre-releases a while ago because this is my first pre-release. I think that I've gone to since in-store play has resumed. I didn't go to um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I, I this okay. is my first pre-release back in person, so I had a lot of fun. The store was, I mean, every single seat was filled, um, and there was a. I play. I didn't play the two-headed giant um, on Sunday. I think it's pretty common now that most lgs's when they do a two-headed giant pre-release it usually ends up on sunday Mm -hmm. Uh, but they had a singles and then they had two-headed giant i played in the singles um and i picked the riveteers as my family nice uh it's it's when i play in limited or draft i typically tend to draft an aggressive deck um i was hoping the riveteers would work out that way um and i had a lot of fun um, stealing third place. Nice, very nice, release. very nice. So, what was your, what were your, um, your bombs in your deck in your Riveteers deck? Um, okay, so my my so every every pre release kit came with like a seeded pack, so you could get a good amount of cards at least for your family. Those sure. are the color combination. So, playing black, red, green. I my promo like the the date stamped or the year stamped mm-hmm. was the urabrask the new urabrask nice. card so that was that was cool um which is a 4/4 that has haste and it 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 messes with the the first card each player or each opponent draws that that wasn't really um you know too um you know, much of a pro- it, it, that didn't really do anything. I will say, sure, like the Urabrask draw part, but the other bomb that I got was Obnixilis, the adversary Ooh. in my pod as well. So uh, that that Obnixilis is the one that has Casualty X, and so you can sack a creature that has, uh, and, and then you make a, a copy of Obnixilis. So there's two of them, and the second one's loyalty. Starting loyalty is whatever the power of the creature was that you sacrificed when you cast Obnixilis. So, mm-hmm. um. I the most it ever was was an Obnixilis that came in with four loyalty counters. Okay. The original comes in with three. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes your opponents lose two life unless they discard a card on its plus. But then it minus two 
to create a red devil. And that plus ability says also, instead of um, just saying each point loses two life and they discard a card, it also says if you control a demon or a devil, you also gain two life. Oh. So I found that I was minusing one and then plus in the other. And then from there, I would just continue to to plus them sure and i had there was a lot of life gain i will say in this set a lot more than i than than stood out mm -hmm. from just uh, uh you know a bird's eye view of the set sure so a lot of opponents were like okay i'll take two okay i'll just take two so obnixilis was taken out a few times um but i i usually got there because they would have like very low life and one card in hand so they didn't want to take four so they discard one and take two and then mm -hmm. they didn't have a way to deal with the obnixilis uh you know, that was pretty cool. And I also got the Riveteer's Ascendancy and a bunch of Blitz cards. So um, I lost to, uh, the. I went 3-1, so I only had one loss, and I lost to an Obscura deck that had that, I believe the card, is it Shadow of Mortality? It's the giant oh, thing yeah, that yeah, costs yeah. 13 black black, but mm -hmm. costs less for their life total differences. And well, they had that and then two of the mono black reanimate spell with connive oh, cards. So okay. they just threw it in the graveyard and brought it back. I had a single murder, so I got to murder it one game. So that was cool. Um, but but then it killed me the other games. So I took third place, and then in my prize packs, I got another Urabrask. So I was super <laughs> excited. Uh, you know, I, I think I made my money back there. I will say, it, I think it's a really fun set. I think it's pretty um, complex. Casualty, I definitely undervalued now that I've played with it in person. I think it's cool because I was thinking, well, if you don't have the creature, the spell's not going to do anything. But it's really just casualty is just like the cherry on top of whatever the spell already was. Yeah. But I did find myself not wanting to play any of my spells that had casualty unless I could actually get the advantage. Yeah. And that that's just me. I want the full value. I was getting greedy, I think. But um double ob Nixilis, it happened four times. Nice. Um so that was really fun. So I had a, I had a good time. Um I would say it's in my probably in my top three pre-releases. I mean, winning definitely does kind of elevate the experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel better about the set when you win. But um, I, I liked it a lot. I think everybody got had a lot of fun. Um, and, and the LGS was packed, which was it was nice to see that every seat was filled um, and they were, you know, making some money. And it was nice seeing everybody in person. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to make it to the next pre-release. The I think the next one is what going to be a Baldur's Gate pre-release. Um, because the is there one going to be with with I, the commander set? I believe there is going to be, and I don't think that's just a local thing. I think there's an. I, and don't quote me on that, but you know, I I thought I thought I saw something about a Baldur's Gate pre-release as well. Uh, well if not, future. I think after that it's the 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 Dominaria Brothers War. So regardless, it'll be one of those two. Yes, because the last pre-release I was at, I believe, was Throne of Eldraine. <laughs> oh wow. Mine was mine was uh, Theros Beyond Death, which was just before, yep. just before the everything started. I know we did some at home pre releases with Ikoria. I remember that yes, at the very that, beginning that of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that well, was fun. Well, speaking of uh, you know things starting to go back to normal a little bit after this pandemic, we are returning to Command Fests. That's right. Uh, in celebration of Commander Legends Baldur's Gate released in June 10th, uh, we are going to see a plethora of command fests being hosted by various stores. Um, 
all across the world, really. Um, so if you are interested, if you if you didn't get a chance to go to command fests that happened a couple of years ago, um, or you know, check out the command zones that have been happening at the Channel Fireball events and all that kind of stuff, um, now is your opportunity. This year, this summer, is your opportunity to go find one. Um, if you're in North America, you can go to a command fest in Richmond, Virginia from June 3rd to 5th, Las Vegas, Nevada from June 10th to 12th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from June 24th to 26th, Indianapolis, Indiana, probably the one that we're going to go to from July 8th to 10th, Montreal, Canada from July 15th to 17th, Orlando, Florida from July 22nd to 24th, or Bellevue, Washington from July 22nd to 24th. Um, there's also some opportunities to go to them uh, outside of the country. You can check out the link in the show notes below um, to figure out the dates. But we have Frankfurt, Germany, Birmingham, England, uh, Bologna, Italy. Um, Sydney, Australia, Gyeongsu, China, Osaka, Japan, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Mexico City, Mexico. I think the one in England is pronounced Birmingham. That's Birmingham. Birmingham. That's really bad. Anybody who's listening to us uh, across the pond is like, uh, we got to stop listening to this show now. Yeah, sorry. Um, I would like to go to Indianapolis. Um, I will. You know what's funny is I'm going to be there. This is in July. I think it's in September. So I'm going to be at Gen Con. So August. Oh, okay. so I'll be there like two months later. It's at the same convention center. It's, oh, it's nice. just at the yeah. So it's at the exact same place. Um, also, this one's hosted by Pastime Games, which Pastime Games did the uh, Command Fest Chicago that we went to two years ago. That's right. That had like legitimate prize pools and stuff. Like I we left with boxes of cards oh, yeah. for playing Commander. Yeah. Like, it was I, I know it was a discrepancy, right? Because because Pastimes was hosting one, and was it Channel Fireball hosting Channel the Fireball other one? Fireball did another, and then Star City Games, I think, did the third. Because there was one in there was one in uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. there was one in Chicago, and then there was one, and I believe it was DC. Correct. I think those were the three that happened, and then there were no more. And then MTG Vegas happened, which had a command zone or command zone area, but. Um, this but, is the yeah. first we're we're gonna see them. Yeah. So hopefully we can we can head uh, to Indianapolis. I just have to have time off because this is like this year I have so many things planned. Yeah, no um, kidding. More than I've had planned in the past. Yeah. Um, what is it like? Get, we just have to go out and get social as soon as you have the opportunity to be social again. We have all of our socialness for the past three years is all pent up and ready to explode. Yes, and and I I don't want to say no to anything. Right. <laughs> we also saw that there was an announcement with some Oracle changes to a few cards that have come out. There were a couple of rules clarifications and just um, things just to make it clear what the cards do. So there is a a card from the. Um, the newest commander set, Denry Kiln, uh, editor in chief. So there was, uh, it said the card was printed with a non standard template that referred to uh, when a creature you control enters the battlefield. And it said that the language was slightly ambiguous uh, to what it referred to. So um, the original text said whenever a non token creature enters the battlefield, if Denry has counters on it, put the same number and kind of counters on that creature. Um, but it has, it has been updated to say when a non token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if Denry has counters, on it put the same number of each kind of counter on that creature so it sounded like there was maybe some confusion there um the next card is flames of the blood hand so uh the redirection rule was changed so when you cast a spell that can you know 
deal damage to any target or to player, you can deal it to Planeswalkers. Well, I guess Flames of the Blood Hand was was part of the update, but it the actual language um, is kind of confusing. So it said uh, it deals four damage to target player or Planeswalker. The damage can't be prevented if that player would gain life this turn. That player gains no life instead. It now says the damage can't be prevented and if the player or that Planeswalker's controller would gain life this turn, that player gains no life instead. And then finally, we have a third card here that has the original reference to shield counter, but it's not the same shield counter that we got with uh, the brokers in New Capenna. So the card Palatian Accord, it's a it's an enchantment for three white and a blue, and it says whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, put a shield counter on Palatian Accord, and then you can remove a shield counter from Palatian Accord to prevent the next one damage that we dealt to you this turn. They have removed it, uh, and and it no longer is going to say um, shield counter. It is going to say Palatian counter. Um, so, for those of you looking to move counters around from Palatian Accord to a creature, because shield counters work a certain way, mm-hmm. it does not. Yeah, unfortunately. Now, I did want to ask Andy. Um, I know you had a like any type of counter deck at some point, but I believe that was Abzan, correct? It was Abzan. So that that was the um, it was the partner pairing uh, Nakara and Yannick. Mm-hmm. I was using cards like Matrix counters. Yeah. I had training counters, uh, but this didn't fit because this had blue. But if it did, I bet you I would have tried to put it on there. Now, did you run this or do you currently run this in your blue white partners with deck that cares about tapping your opponent's creatures? I sure don't. Okay. Because the no. only two decks I could possibly think of that might be running this card right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I am not running this card in anything, um, so I'm not affected. But for those of you that may have purchased those, unfortunately, that that has been changed. But if you want to work um, or you know play a game and you want it to work that way, and you ask for you know a rule zero change, we're probably not going to tell you no. But um, at an LGS, it doesn't say that anymore. Yep. Um. Before we continue, though, we want to thank everybody who's listening. Uh, we want to thank all of you, including our patrons. We really appreciate all of your support. You help you help keep the show going. And if you want to support us, you can head to patreon.com slash guardianprojectpod and donate for any dollar amount. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast on now, if you could subscribe, rate, review, and leave comments, we would be most appreciative. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Twitter, owned by Elon Musk now, um, <laughs> as of this morning. So, um, you know, same same website, different owner. Um, and you can find us by searching Guardian Project Podcast, um, and you can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. Mike, what is on the agenda today? Oh, as per usual, this is our second episode of a brand new set. So we are going to be talking about combo. So with Streets of New Capenna finally fully previewed, we're going to review our favorite new combos from our favorite combo website, commanderspellbook.com. Let's, ho- let's head over to uh, commanderspellbook.com right now. Seriously, I can't tell you how much I actually just really like using this website. It is, <laughs> it has everything that I want every set, um, and there's a lot of goodies. 
this time around. Yeah, like, a ton. There are so many. We're probably not going to get through all the combos. And actually, we know we're not because there's a lot of them that we didn't plan on going over because some of them are like five card combos. Mm -hmm. And um, even for us just to explain them, it's a lot of work. So um, if you want to check out these combos, obviously, we will have the the link to Commander's Public in the notes, in the show notes below. Um, but let's start out with a combo. Um, I think last set, we actually talked quite a bit about Mill. Um, and let's talk about Mill uh, again. So this is a two card combo that actually can, uh, the commander is one of them. Um, Lord Xander the Collector, so a 6-6 six, six Vampire Demon Noble for four, a blue, a black, and a red. Uh, it says when Lord Xander the Collector enters a battlefield, target opponent discards half the cards in their hand, rounded down. And then when Lord Xander attacks, defending player mills half of their library, rounded down. And then when Lord Xander dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control, rounded down. So pretty, a pretty nasty commander. One that honestly, if it happens, it costs seven. Mm -hmm. So like, I appreciate that it does the thing. And you know it's in the command zone. So I would not be upset playing against uh, Lord Xander. But if you pair that with Bruvac the Grandiloquent, uh, which actually I think is so funny because I we've we've seen this on our stream once and no one really talks about this card anymore. It was it was like a flash in the pan commander. Sure. But Bruvac the Grandiloquent is a one four human advisor for two and a blue. So this is just a monocolor creature, and it says if an opponent would mill one or more cards, they mill twice that many cards instead. So for this combo, all you have to do is have Lord Xander and Bruvac on the battlefield. And, and Lord Xander needs to be able to attack. So if you give it haste or it doesn't have summoning sickness, so you can just attack. So um, and then the opponent does have to have a deck size that is even. If it is odd, it will not work. Right. But I feel like if you get it off like this combo off regardless, I think you're still going to just beat them. Um, so when you attack, defending player mills half their library rounded down. Bruvac says if an opponent would mill one or more, they mill twice that many. So they mill... Uh, if they have an even deck size, they are going to mill every single card in their deck. If they mm -hmm. have an odd deck size, they're going to mill every single card, uh, you know, uh, half their library rounded down. So they're going to have one card left in their library Yeah. Um, for a single opponent. Um, and then if someone tries to remove Lord Xander, um, I guess in this case, you probably want to remove Bruvac because removing Lord Xander is pretty scary because yeah. it's target opponent. So no one wants to remove Lord Xander. Well, on top of the fact that Lord Xander very well could be the commander of the deck and they could just recast it later. Correct. Lord Xander is, yeah. In this case, Lord Xander can be the commander of Bruvac is just in it. I feel like if I built a Lord Xander deck, which I have absolutely no intention of, <laughs> but if I did, I'd be putting Bruvac in the deck. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's also, an, uh, there's also an enchantment or a curse called Fraying Sanity that also makes someone uh, at the end step mill uh, X amount of cards where X is the amount of cards they milled so far this turn, um, which should do something very similar. Uh, unfortunately, with that aura, uh, it is blue. It fits in and you could definitely run it as redundancy. Um, but as soon as someone dies with that aura attached to them, the aura just ceases to exist. And so you won't be able to kill all three of your opponents with it like you can in this combo. Um, and a, for a fun fact, if they are left with one card just add a third permanent to this temple bell it's a two mana artifact <laughs> tap it everyone draws a card there you go you got there listen i like it you know if someone's going for the mill strategy i'm i'm i always applaud it because i find that when i go for mill someone's running an elixir of immortality and they mm. somehow got it into their hand or they've got one of the original Eldrazi Titans for some reason just to prevent the mill. So I've gotten burned on mill, but I think it's a legit strategy and I support it. I get, to, I get, everybody gets to see my deck because I, sh I tell you every card that you milled. That's right. That's right. And don't, <laughs> don't worry. This won't be the last time we talk about mill in this episode. It will not. All right. So a, a card that has been, uh, 
talked about a lot, discussed uh, on whether or not, you know, this is really breaking treasures because it's a green permanent but it is it is going to enable three different combos that are going to win you the game win you the game and basically win you the game so that permanent is bootleggers stash so for six mana five and a green you get a an artifact that says lands you control have tap create a treasure token wow that's that's cool i mean your land already taps for one you're basically turning all of your lands into rainbow lands this way which is pretty cool exactly um, my, my 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 double doubling uh token cards said thank you very oh, much definitely yeah that's exactly. huge if you can Great if you card. can double your treasure tokens or something yeah this card already has amazing value but in combination with an enchantment called revel in riches you can actually just win the game so revel in riches is a five mana enchantment four and a black that says whenever a creature an opponent controls dies create a colorless treasure token um and then at the beginning of your upkeep if you control 10 or more treasures you win the game so um simply just create 10 treasures before your upkeep and you'll win the game with revel and riches now you could do something very very similar uh, with an enchantment aura called the mechanized production from the kaladesh block so for two blue blue you get an enchantment aura that says enchant artifact you control and at the beginning of your upkeep create a token that's a copy of enchanted artifact then if you control eight or more artifacts with the same name as one another you win the game um, so another way that at your upkeep you're going to win, but you're only going to have to have eight treasures. And the nice part about this is, and some people often overlook it, mechanized production doesn't care if it's the artifact that you are enchanted that shares a name. You only have to have eight artifacts that share a name. So you can enchant something that's got like indestructible or something just to make sure that it doesn't go away so that you just have that enchantment to stay on the board the whole time. Make right. eight treasures and win. It does say artifact you control. So bootlegger's stash is an artifact. Oh, you <laughs> could definitely enchant bootleg. Oh, make two of them. Yeah, you could get a second one. And if someone finds their artifact removal, you still have a bootlegger's stash sitting around. That's true. That's true. Unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't like create two it treasures create or something. It two treasures, but it, it, it gives you backup when someone that's ultimately right. looks for their one artifact removal. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. And now the last one we have here is Time Sieve. Um, and Time Sieve is a two mana artifact, blue and a black that says sacrifice five artif artifacts and take an extra turn after this one. Um, so yeah, this is just going to give you infinite turns, which hopefully wins you the game. I, I sure hope that you're going to be able to draw your your whole deck with infinite turns. So uh, as long I, I should say as long as you have five lands to tap to turn into treasures. Right, so you tap your five lands, you tap time sieve, sack those five artifacts that you made, the, the five treasures you made, take another turn. So, um, you know, assuming you're going to play more lands on each of those extra turns, this one will ultimately win you the game. Right. Because you, you're not, at that point, you're just, unfortunately, your opponents are just waiting for you to get enough lands to do things other than just make five artifacts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but bootleggers stash does cost six um so it's it's likely you probably already have those five lands um unless i guess you cheated bootlegger stash out sooner and then made artifacts to kind of ramp up your game but regardless a uh, cool combo um it's in the saltite colors i'm sure there's some good commander you could throw in that cares about these artifacts i mean silas ren uh is is blue black and then you add in one of the green partners if you wanted to do a partner pairing to get to the saltite or just mm -hmm. as a regular saltite commander is pretty good too because these are both permanents so you could maybe run a uh Muldrotha artifact deck oh yeah that would be easy i mean someone removes time sieve or bootlegger stash you just cast it on your next turn Oof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gross oh yeah very very gross let's move to mono green for the next combo here so um folks we found 
the hundredth way to break devoted druid um a card that has been broken previously and continues to be very very cool so devoted druid uh in combination with luxior giada's gift so devoted druid is a zero two elf druid for one and a green it says tap to add green to your mana pool and then you can put a minus one minus one counter on devoted druid to untap it so you can make um multiple green mana in a single turn but you are going to lose devoted drew with those minus one minus one counters um and the new card luxior giada's gift is a legendary artifact equipment for a single mana it says equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it so minus one minus one counter is a generic counter so you're 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 essentially negating that minus one minus one you're getting. Mm-hmm. So it says equip permanent isn't a planeswalker uh, and is a creature in addition to its other types. Uh, equip planeswalker for one and equip it to a creature for three. So essentially, you just need to have devoted druid on the battlefield, and you need to have it uh, equipped with Luxior Giada's gift, and it needs to be able to tap. So you know whether you give it haste or it doesn't have summoning sickness. Um, you're, you're going to tap it to add green. You're going to activate devoted druid second ability to untap it, put a minus counter on it. Um, and then because it's getting plus one, plus one for each of those minus one, minus one counters on it, it's not going to die. So you're just making infinite green mana. Um, so if you're playing a green deck that is running devoted druid, um, and, and equipment, you can do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see. I don't know where, it. I don't know where I would, I don't, I don't immediately see a commander like a commander is not coming to mind that's doing this um but it could be in more than just green you know maybe green red equipment green green white equipment i, I mean, mean this this could just be like a redundant a redundant combo in your minus one minus one counters matters deck like a hepatra or something maybe sure. and then you could just cast like a green sun zenith or a finale of devastation for you know x equals a million and just win that way i guess um, I mean, I've seen this combo in modern, so I imagine it would be it good. It is nice, though, that Luxio Giada, I mean, it does work in Hepatra. I mean, I don't have that deck together anymore, but it does work because there's a lot of times with Hepatra that you have to put the minus counter on Hepatra, mm-hmm. and this would prevent Hepatra from just dying then because yeah. I can continue to put the counters on Hepatra um, if I wanted as well. Um, if I didn't have the Devoted Druid, of course, but yeah, infinite green mana. Check it out. So we have this uh, this creature card called Ginny Faye, Jetmere's second, that is pretty darn cool. Uh, it is a legendary creature elf druid for hybrid red green, green, hybrid green white. That says, if you would create one or more tokens, you may instead create that many 2-2 green cat creature tokens with haste or that many 3-1 green dog creature tokens with haste. This particular with card... Vigilance. With, I'm sorry, with Vigilance. They don't both have haste. The The dogs are a little bit slower. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is going to go infinite with a card called Requiem Angel. So Requiem Angel is a six mana angel, five and a white, five, five with flying. This says whenever another non-spirit creature you control dies, put a one, one white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. In combination with any um, free sack outlet, and that is a sack outlet that the only cost of activating the ability is sacrifice a creature colon. Um, you're going to be able to, you know, open up to a lot of different things that you could do with the game. The first one here is goblin bombardment. So that's just a two mana enchantment. That's a, for one and a red. It says sacrifice a creature. Goblin bombardment deals one damage to any target. So what this is going to allow you to do is going to allow you to um, make a non-spirit creature which then Ginny Faye is going to turn into either a 2-2 green cat or a 3-1 green dog 
that you can sacrifice to then create a 1-1 spirit via Requiem Angel that again gets replaced by Jenny Faye's ability and then repeat that that combination to infinity and kill everyone with a Goblin Bombardment or with other things like Altar of Dementia, which is a two-mana artifact that says whenever you sacrifice a creature, target player mills uh, cards equal to that creature's power. You'll be able to mill everyone out. Ashnod's Altar that sacrifices a creature to get two colorless mana. Phyrexian Altar, three-mana artifact where you can sacrifice a creature to create uh, a mana of any color, so you can have infinite mana of any color. And then there's Thermopod, which is a creature. It's uh, it's not used very often. It's a red creature where you can sacrifice a creature and create a red mana um and i guess there's carrion feeder too but carrion feeder doesn't fit in Ginny Faye's color identity so you probably won't see it as much and carrion feeder is a one black mana zombie that allows you to sacrifice a creature to put a plus one plus one counter on carrion feeder so you'd be able to great make a very very big carrion feeder uh when that ends there's a, there's a very good chance that uh the the combo that we originally mentioned with the Requiem Angel and Goblin Bombardment uh, is already in my Ginny Fey deck. So, yeah, this one I think is very cool. I'm not running the Ashnod's Altar, the Phyrexian Altar, or an Altar of Dementia. Actually, I'm not running Thermopod either. I just really like Goblin Bombardment as a card in general, and since I'm going to just be making a ton of creatures anyway, mm-hmm. um, Goblin Bombardment is a great card. Requiem Angel, it does cost six. It is kind of expensive, and you have to have the stars aligned because you need to have your commander and the angel and the Goblin Bombardment. And since I'm not really running tutors to grab the uh bombardment uh i didn't think it was necessary but i think this is a really cool combo i i like it a lot i think jenny fey is the i know jetmir is the obviously the the head of the family but jenny fey i feel like is gonna do the most work here yeah i agree with you it should say jenny fey jetmir's superior not jetmir's second Oh, that's not how that works, because that, that'd be the boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move over here to the Riveteers again. Um, so we have uh, Zeatora the Incinerator as our new card, and this is uh, a black, red, and green combo. So this combo here uh, can kill any opponent. So with Zeatora the Incinerator, Malignus, and Gratuitous Violence, and all you have to do is have them all on the battlefield. So Zeatora is a 6-6 flying demon, and it says at the beginning of your end step, you may sack another creature. And when you do, Zeatora deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, and you create three treasures. So um, pretty simple, sack a creature, deal damage, make some treasures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you combine that with Malignus and Gratuitous Violence, you're just going to take one person out. So Malignus is a star star elemental spirit for three red red. And it says its power and toughness are equal to half of the highest life total among your opponents rounded up. Damage that would be dealt by Malignus can't be prevented. And then Gratuitous Violence is an enchantment for two red 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 so five mana again it says if a creature you control would deal damage to a permanent or player it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead so malignus is going to be huge because it's its power is equal to half of the life total among your opponents um rounded up the highest life total among your opponents rounded up so at your end step you sacrifice malignus zeotor is going to deal whatever that amount of damage is and then gratuitous violence is going to double it um so so one opponent is going to lose the game by having zero or less life, because it's possible that the person who has the highest life is not the one that you want to take out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe someone else. Um, but it's pretty cool. 
three cards. It is, it's, it's a uh, pretty mana intensive. It's 16 mana. You have to have them all on the battlefield, but you know, in black, red, green, you have access to reanimating stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe pitch malignus, uh, play gratuitous violence early on. Zeotora comes out and you, I don't know, reanimate malignus, whatever it is that you're going to do. It's a cool combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up with three treasures in the end. So maybe those three treasures can then reanimate Malignus on your next turn. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. I like it a lot. There's a lot of redundancy for that combo, too, because there's a lot of stuff that like double or triple your damage. So you mentioned Gratuitous Violence. There's Fiery Emancipation, which is triple damage. Dictated the Twin God, which is double damage, and it has Flash for an enchantment. Angras Marauders, which is on a creature. And then Furnace of Wrath is very similar to Gratuitous Violence. So a lot of redundancy if you want to play around those particular type effects in your Zeotora deck. I feel like if I built Zeotora, I would want these cards in it anyway. You know, Gratuitous Violence, Fiery Emancipation um like effects and then just big creatures malignus can be like the finisher but even just you know a creature that has six power just dealing 12 like uh, uh is that ball lightning a six one? Oh yeah yep you can just sacrifice it to this does ball lightning get sacked at combat or it, end step it gets sacked at end step so you can sack it to zeotora's ability yeah, before it sacks to itself instead. oh yeah. yeah i think I, I even with it not being a full-on combo still really good so for those those zeotora people who are building this uh check it out it's pretty cool yeah definitely so black market tycoon is the bane of my existence when it came to writing notes for this episode this creature combos with so many different things i feel like black market tycoons in real life are probably the bane of many <laughs> many people's existence like yeah. the fbi yeah. police very well could. everyone well, now it also is the reason why we have fbi and and cia and stuff so in a way we have to thank them um in a, you know we were all the black market tycoon when we were playing roller coaster tycoon <laughs> that's also true very exactly. very true <laughs> all right so black market tycoon uh for red and a green you get a 2-2 cat rogue that says at the beginning of your upkeep black market tycoon deals two damage to you for each treasure you control but has an activated ability of tap create a treasure token this is going to combo with uh, an enchantment aura called freed from the real i know we've heard this a lot freed from the wow. real Freed from the real comboing with the card again. No kidding. Now you wouldn't guess, but it also works with Pemmin's aura. Um, oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> so Freed from the real and Pemmin's aura have the ability to untap a creature. Uh, Freed from the real for two and a blue, you have uh, an enchantment aura. says enchant creature. Pay a blue to tap the enchanted creature or pay a blue to untap the enchanted creature. Uh, so just with these two cards, you can infinitely tap and untap Black Market Tycoon by creating a treasure and then using that treasure to untap Black Market Tycoon. So in order to start netting things, you're going to need something that's going to double your treasure production or double your treasure treasure mana output. Um, so ways you can do that. Um, Zorn is a card that was printed in AFR. It's a three mana elemental creature that says if you would create a treasure, you create one more of that treasure instead. Jolene, the Plunder Queen, is a uh, legendary creature that was printed in the Riveteers pre-con that's going to do exactly the same thing, allow you to create an additional treasure. Goldspan Dragon uh, from Kaldheim is going to have your treasures actually tap for two instead, so double the amount of um, 
mana that comes for it. And then, of course, there's Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, Primal Vigor, Anointed Procession, and Adrix and Nev, which all double generic token generation that are also going to be able to net you stuff. So you're, you're going to be able to produce infinite mana of any color uh, with any number of these combinations. Um, it also works with Umbral Mantle, which is an equipment that allows you to untap a creature for three generic mana if you have two treasure doublers on the battlefield. So some redundancy even in the untapping. You know what's funny? I think there's a couple of decks that would really want this. And the one that I think, because this is in just looking in team or colors, I feel like Malcolm Keen-Eyed Navigator, which is already making treasure tokens, and then Tana the Bloodsower, which is making tokens in general. Mm-hmm. This would be really cool to put like this kind of a combo into that kind of a deck. It kind of already fits what those commanders want to do. Yeah, and and I do feel like Black Market Tycoon is probably an only... It's People are going to use it not for combo, but I'm looking at it as a combo-only card because I don't ever want to untap with treasures if I own it, and I feel like I, <laughs> I, I'm going to be untapping with treasures if I'm playing, especially in the, the day and age of commander that we see today. That's... Yeah... Yeah, because someone's going to have a card that says whenever an artifact goes to your graveyard, they'll they'll have Viridian Revel and stuff. <laughs> yeah, or you know, you could you could potentially give this away to an opponent that has a lot of treasures if you have an oof out there that makes it so people can't activate activated abilities That's of artifacts. True. And this is only upkeep though, so there is that. So there it's not is. just any time, but it is it is your upkeep. But you could yeah, you could take some significant damage <laughs> at at your upkeep. Um, but if you don't want to run that. You could just cut your losses and go with the mill strategy again. That's good. I like that. That was a good transition. I am so proud of myself right now. So (laughs) cut your losses is a new new card from um, New Capenna, uh, and it is a sorcery for four four blue-blue. It has casualty two, um, and it says target player mills half their library rounded down. And if you, uh, again, Bruvac the Grand Eloquent, the same blue creature that says if an opponent would mill one or more cards, they mill twice that many cards, um, you can you can mill out uh, up to up to two players. So um, if you have cut, cut your losses in your hand and Bruvac is on the battlefield, and then one player needs to have an even deck size. So again, we're back to the evens and odd deck sizes because it matters. Um, y- you can um, play cut your losses, in, in mill one opponent or if you have a creature that has at least power two or greater on the battlefield you can sacrifice it when you cast cut your losses for that casualty and you can copy the spell so then you can hit two opponents with milling half their library rounded down to essentially mill their entire library assuming their library is an even deck size uh, if it is not they will have one card left in their library. But again, I still think you're the real winner um, if you do that. And in this deck with Bruvac as the commander, which is a very strong deck, as we have seen, a cut your losses is just another uh, redundant actual win condition for Bruvac. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know um, to compare cut your losses, there's a card called Traumatized. It's five mana, three blue, blue. that says target player mills half of their library rounded down. Um, this one, you get two of it for one more mana and sacrificing a, a two power creature. I really, really love it. Um, okay, so we are going to talk about Maestro's Ascendancy here for a second. So Maestro's Ascendancy is an enchantment for blue, black, red that says once during each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard by sacrificing a creature in addition to its 
in addition to paying its other costs. If a spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. Uh, in combination with the card Thassa's Oracle, I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, but it's... Yeah, it's, explain explain it to us for those yeah, who haven't. Yeah, so for Thassa's Oracle is a blue-blue merfolk wizard 1-3 that says when Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, you look at the top X cards of your library where X is your devotion to blue. You put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So this is uh, very similar to like a Laboratory Maniac type effect, although yep. Laboratory Maniac makes it so that if you were draw from an empty deck, you win the game. So this makes it so you don't actually have to draw the card, which is nice. Um, in combination with two different instants, Tainted Pact and Demonic Consultation, you will be able to win the game on the turn that you, you start this combo on. So Tainted Pack is a two mana instant says remove the top card of your library from the game. You may put that card into your hand unless it has the same name as another card removed this way. You repeat this process until you put a card into your hand or you remove two cards with the same name, whichever comes first. Um, so this does have the downside of uh, you have to have every single card in your deck ha have a different name. So if you want to run two basics, they have to be a snow covered version and a non snow covered version in order to make tainted pack work the way you want to. Um, so what you're going to be doing in order to have this combo go off is you're actually going to cast tainted pact and you're going to look for your Thassa's Oracle. So Thassa's Oracle doesn't actually have to be in your hand to start this. Um, you do have to have Maestro's Ascendancy on the battlefield or you need to cast it this turn. So you're going to find Thassa's Oracle with your first cast of Tainted Pact, as long as it's not the, uh, or no, this the Tainted Pact works anyway. Demonic Consultation, if it's in the top uh, 10 cards of your library, you uh, are going to lose it forever and lose the game. But with Tainted Pact, you're going to find your Thassa's Oracle, you're going to put it in your hand, you're going to cast Thassa's Oracle down onto the battlefield, it's enter the battlefield trigger is going to go on the stack. Um, with that trigger on the stack, using your Maestro's Ascendancy trigger to cast a spell from your graveyard once per turn, you're going to cast Tainted Pact from your graveyard. You can sack Thassa's Oracle. If you have another creature, you can sack them too. Um, but you can sack Thassa's Oracle to this because the Enter the Battlefield trigger is already on the stack and Thassa's Oracle doesn't need to be on the battlefield when it resolves in order for you to win the game. And then um, with your Tainted Pact resolution, you exile the rest of your graveyard. Um, you just say, I don't want any of these cards or your library i'm sorry and i don't want any of these cards you just throw them all in the garbage and then you win the game after the thassa's oracle trigger resolves i know that was a lot i hope you followed yeah i mean so we've seen this before right this was like uh, and, and i like that you you mentioned this in the show notes that it's like a build your own you know combination for for the thassa's oracle combo um specifically with uh, your version of cast dissident mage which yes. you said my which which we can see here maestros's ascendancy is basically Kess yes. on an enchantment versus being on a creature. Yes, yeah. Kess um, says you once uh, on each one of your turns, you can cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. So you don't have to sacrifice a creature, but it costs one extra. It's one in Grixis rather than just Grixis. One's on an enchantment, one's on a creature. But really nice to, to have actually the redundancy. If you're playing this in your Kess deck, um, even if it's not at a competitive level, I imagine it is if you're playing this combo. But even if it's not, um, you can run Maestro's Ascendancy as some redundancy in case you cast, cast five times from your command zone and it just costs too much to get out there yeah this is a, it's a cool combo it's it's definitely on the more competitive end of the spectrum you probably won't run into this in in casual games if you do um it's possible that they were not paired up at the same power level <laughs> <laughs> um but i you know this is a combo that that i went off of in my in my um 
uh, deck as well, but I, I just don't have the same Maestro's Ascendancy. Mine's usually, I, I don't get that second cast. So I do I do like that this is uh, a secondary, uh, you know, redundancy to, to cast. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's shift over to uh, black, red, green again um, with a combo involving the new card Stimulus Package, Pitiless Plunderer, and Carrion Feeder. So Stimulus Package is an enchantment for two a red and a green. And it says when it enters the battlefield, you create two treasure tokens, which that's cool. I'll take them. And it says Sack a Treasure, you create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. In combination with two other creatures... Uh, one that is very well known for being a combo enabler, Pitiless Plunderer. For three and a black, you get a 1-4 human pirate. And Pitiless Plunderer says, whenever another creature you control dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token with Sack This. You can add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And then Carrion Feeder, another card that has comboed with things in the past. A zombie for one black mana. It says it can't block, but you can sack a creature and put a plus one plus one counter on Carrion Feeder. So... All you have to do is get these permanents onto the battlefield and you you just need to have a single treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you activate the stimulus package by sacking a treasure to make a citizen. Then you activate carrion feeder to sacrifice that citizen to put a plus one plus one counter on it. When the citizen dies, Plitiless Plunderer makes a treasure token and then you resolve the carrion feeder ability putting a plus one plus one counter on it and then you rinse and repeat. So you get to put as many plus one plus one counters on the carrion feeder as you want. You have infinite enter the battlefield abilities. Um, you get infinite leaves the battlefield triggers. You get infinite death triggers and sacrifice triggers. So if you have an impact tremors or a perforos or a witty roast master, um, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, your opponents are going to take damage. Um, I guess if you if you add that as a fourth card to this combo, you can just end the game. Um, so, you know, pick, pick your poison. Um, if you want to swing out with a ginormous carrion feeder or add some additional uh, additional ways to, to win with, with sacrificing or ETB triggers. Yeah. How about a, a Chandra's ignition on your giant carrion feeder? You've yeah. got you've got Blood Artist and Zulaport cutthroats. Yeah. This is I, I like that this is very it's very Jund. It's very Riveteer uh, that you can have all of these in the same deck and, and you know it's easy to build those all into the same deck, which is very yep. cool. All right, so let's switch over to Grixis here for a second and let's talk about Cormella Glamour Thief. So for four mana, one blue, black, red, you get an uncommon Vampire Rogue 2-4 with haste. This says pay one generic to add a blue, black, red to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast instant and or sorcery spells. Then when Cormella Glamour Thief dies, return up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Now this is going to uh, combo with actually a few different cards. Um, so this is uh, with a two mana reanimation spell, such as Gorio's Vengeance. Gorio's Vengeance is for one and a black. You get an instant. It's an arcane spell. It says return target legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. In combination with a sacrifice uh, altar, in this case, Ashnod's Altar, where it's a three mana, three generic mana artifacts to sacrifice a creature to add two colorless to your mana pool. Um, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be activating Cormella to add Grixis to your mana pool. You're going to sacrifice Cormella um, to Ashnod's Altar to make two colorless mana. Um, you're going to be able to return an instant sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. If you didn't already have Gorio's Vengeance in your hand and it was in your graveyard, you can then return it to your hand. You could probably see where this is going at that point. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to cast your two mana reanimation spell to return Cormella to the battlefield. 
um, using the uh, Grixis mana or a colorless plus one of plus the black mana from the Grixis mana you created from Cormella's ability. And you're going to be able to re repeat this infinitely. You end up netting um, red and blue mana that can only be cast on instants and sorceries, um, but an infinite number of them, um, yep. which is cool if you have like a fireball or a, a bane, bane fire in your graveyard or something. Maybe you can return that and kill everyone on the board with it. Um, but you also produce infinite colorless mana that you can use for anything that you want. Infinite enter the battlefield, leave the battlefield, death triggers, sacrifice triggers, uh, storm, magecraft, um, and, and even there's other two. There's another two mana reanimation spell you can use, which is called shallow grave which only returns the top card of your graveyard to the battlefield so you just have to make sure nothing dies in between your combo in order to make sure that still works and you can even use three mana reanimation spells uh, in order for it to work with ashnod's altar only um, it, this combo does also work with phyrexian altar um, by only producing one if you uh, are not using a three mana reanimation spell but those three mana reanimation spells of footsteps of the gorio and corpse dance do work with an ashnod's altar as well yeah, I like this a lot. And I don't know if I even mentioned it last week because I know I had put it in the show notes, but I have a Casa Royal Chaser X spell deck. That, mm -hmm. um, it's it's red and blue and it's 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 doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm making a, a ton of mana to make my next uh, uh, instant or sorcery cost X less, uh, where X is the number of wizards I control. So I'm attempting to tap and untap Casa as many times as I can. Cormella feels very similar to Kaza in the way that I wanted to build Kaza and that this does exactly what I want to do, but adds black. It, it's, it adds a mm -hmm. little, you know, there's, there's combo here cause there's combo with Kaza. I can make it uh, tap and untap a lot. Um, right. But here you can win with, um, you know, a comet storm. You, you could even torment of hellfire. Oh, um, nice. Speaking you know, my language. I, I, I know. I know. So Cor Cormella has a lot. And the fact that there, this could be your commander, there's two different instants that work really well. There's redundancy in the artifact sacrificing, you know, the, the altars to sacrifice Cormella. Mm -hmm. um, this could be a pretty potent deck. Uh, one that I don't think a lot of people are going to build either. I feel like. I feel like this is going to be the commander from this set that doesn't get a ton of love. I'm not sure why I think that. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of other, they do a lot of really impactful stuff and this sure. one is maybe more narrow. Um, and that's got to have to be the Cormella player. Let's say that's, I think that's the problem, right? When we, when we're looking at it and we see all the redundancy in this combo, you just immediately want to build this deck for this combo. And so yep. you're going to have these four reanimation spells, these two altars, and then build the rest around that. Exactly. Exactly. I would like to talk about the Locust God. Of Can course you do. talk about my Lord and Savior, the Locust God? Of course. It's not the, it's, it's, it's not the, um, it's not the commander in this deck, though. So if you combine the Locust God um, and then Elegith Crossroads Augur with a new card, Rumor Gatherer. Uh, so Rumor Gatherer is a elf wizard, a 2-1 for one white-white. And it says Alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one. And then if this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, you draw a card instead. And so... Um, if you pair that with a Locust God and Elegith uh, Crossroads Augur, um, you just have to be able to draw a card and you're going to end up uh, drawing infinite cards. Mm -hmm. So the Locust God says whenever you draw a card, you create a 1-1 one, one blue and red insect creature token with flying. And then itself has an ability to draw a card. So for two, a blue and a red, you can uh, pay that for and you can draw a card and discard a card. Elegith Crossroads Augur says... 
uh, if you would scry a number of cards, instead draw that many. Mm-hmm. So essentially, with all of these on the battlefield, you draw a card. The Locust God triggers to put an insect with uh, haste onto the battlefield. Um, the insect is going to trigger Rumor Gatherer, which causes you to draw a card because you are scrying. Uh, or Well, the first time I guess to scry, but you're going to draw. Um, and you're just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And you're going to infinitely draw your deck. You're going to... Uh, near infinite creature tokens with haste the issue here is you do have to have a way to like stop it because you're just gonna draw out your deck yeah yeah stop it or kill all of your opponents before it reaches that point yeah so so if you have again like an like an etb like an impact tremors or perforos and your opponents have low enough life go for it um if you don't you need a sack outlet to eventually sacrifice Elegith or or rumor gatherer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or actually you could you could sacrifice the locust god because it will just come back to your hand so depending on where you are in the in the game the locust god's probably the best option because you because you'll just get it back um i don't suggest that i suggest one of the others <laughs> well and i would hope that e- that after you know you draw let's say you draw 60 card well i guess 60 <laughs> power doesn't kill three people maybe it does late game but um i would hope that you had enough power on board maybe put a coat of arms somewhere in there just to make sure that you actually get them with some commander damage at the end or some uh, sure. combat damage at the end Okay, Jax's the Troublemaker is a brand new card here from Streets of New Capenna that also gave me a headache when it came to these notes. Jax's the <laughs> Troublemaker is for four mana, three and a red. You get a two, three legendary creature human warrior. This says pay red, tap, discard a card, create a token that is a copy of another target creature you control. It gains haste. And whenever this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Activate only as a sorcery. Jax's also has the Blitz ability, so you can pay Jax's uh, cost of one and a red to Blitz it out instead of just casting it out um but this combos with any creature that when it enters the battlefield untaps jaxus along with phyrexian altar or thermopod so we talked about phyrexian altar and thermopod a lot they both sacrifice creatures in order to create mana thermopod specifically creates red mana phyrexian altar can create one mana of any color we need a red mana in order to continuously activate jaxus which is how this combo is going to go so any creature that you can make a copy of that just untaps Jaxus. That's what's going to combo here. Um, it's going to allow you to loot through your entire deck. Uh, I would prefer um, the mono red creatures that actually do this, like Coercive Recruiter and with Zealous Conscripts. Um, in fact, Coercive Recruiter is going to, on top of being able to um, go infinite by just, you know, untapping Jaxus over and over and over again. Uh, it's also going to allow you to steal all of your opponent's creatures and sacrifice all of your opponent's creatures to Phyrexian Altar. So um, Jaxus plus Coercive Recruiter plus Phyrexian Altar would be my combo of choice here for this uh, many, many, many Jaxus combo uh, combinations you have choices of. Yeah, it's it's a cool commander. Um, it, it does require, uh, I mean, you can do it in red, which is great. Um, but with, with other cards too that untap, you can add it to other color decks mm-hmm. maybe just guy or you know very cool stuff all right let's end with probably one of the meaner ones that we've seen obviously not mill but um let's end with the beam town bullies um so this one here is a new commander from the uh, actual commander deck and the beam town bullies are a 4-4 ogle 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 <laughs> ogre devil warrior uh a 4-4 four, four for one black red green it has vigilance and haste and says tap it target opponent whose turn it is 
puts target non-legendary creature from your graveyard onto the battlefield under their control. It gains haste, goad it at the beginning of the next end step, exile it. And so in combination with bronze bombshell and thornbite staff, you can make it so that you can deal near, well, you can deal infinite damage. So bronze bombshell is a 4-1 construct for four colorless. It says when, when a player other than Bronze Bombshell's owner controls it, that player sacrifices it. If they do, Bronze Bombshell deals seven damage to them. And then Thornbite Staff is an equipment for two mana, and it has equip for four. And it says equipped creature has pay two. Tap it. This creature deals one damage to target creature or player, and whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, untap this. So what you do here is you need to get the bronze bombshell into your graveyard. So you're in black. So you could cast an Intomb or mm -hmm. the other cards that allow you to search for a creature and just put it into your graveyard. Mm -hmm. You can tap Beamtown Bullies that's equipped with the Thornbite staff. And you're going to put bronze bombshell onto the battlefield under an opponent's control. They have to sacrifice it and it's going to deal seven damage to that opponent. When it dies... Because the uh, creature was put into the graveyard, you're going to untap the Beamtown Bullies that was equipped with the Thornbite staff. You you do this until you kill all your opponents. And um, that's actually with damage. There are a couple of other nasty things you can do with Beamtown Bullies. You can put Inverter of Truth into your graveyard and give it to an opponent. And Inverter of Truth says... When Inverter of Truth enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your library face down and then shuffle the cards from your graveyard into your library. So if they don't have any cards in their graveyard, you just exile their library. Mm -hmm. Leveler, which is a five mana artifact creature. It's a 10-10. You're just going to throw it in the graveyard. And it says when it enters the battlefield, remove your library from the game. So you're going to steal another opponent's library. And then the one that honestly probably feels the worst. And it's funny to say that that sounds worse than having your entire library exiled is Eater of Days, a four mana, nine, eight flying trample Leviathan. It's just completely colorless. Mm -hmm. When it enters the battlefield, you skip your next two turns. Mm -hmm. So you're forcing one of your opponents to still participate in this game, but skip their next two turns, which I will say... That one is rough. Oh yeah, yeah. That's you, that's pretty you're bad. Like, cool. I'm I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go get a snack. You guys, <laughs> let me know when my two turns have passed. Um, the the funny thing is, this is not even coming close to the number of combos that we even planned to talk about. We have at least ten more in our show notes, and there's like thirty more we didn't even put on our show notes because they're very complicated. Yeah. So. If you want to check out the combos that we talked about today, or you'd like to check out the ones that we didn't go over, please head over to commanderspellbook.com for, for those combos, uh, to check out these combos if you want to re-review them, because maybe we went through them really fast, or maybe you you know want to see if they uh, you know work with other cards as well. You can just search those cards on Commander Spellbook to see if anybody has submitted those combos. Um, Commander Spellbook, thank you so much for everything you do. We really love this website. Um, and that's going to be it for this week. As always, I'm on Twitter at Andy Flory. And I'm on Twitter at Worm Coil Engine. Of course, special thanks to Ryan Nichols, our producer and editor. Thank you for everything that you do for us. We really appreciate it. And Chris Wolf, who handles all of our graphic design, check out all of his images over on our YouTube channel. And to all you listeners out there, we will chat with you next week. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs>